I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Prestige TV podcast. My name is Bill Simmons. I am with Chuck Klosterman. He has a new book coming out on February 8th called The 90s. Check it out. Topical right now for this show because we're going to talk about Pam and Tommy, which was released on Hulu late this week. We watched the first three episodes. That's what was released. We're going to talk about all of these episodes. What was your memory of the situation Heading into the series, Chuck. Well, I I definitely remember that. I mean, I, I remember having a friend give me the videotape. I sort of remember a lot about you know what was on the videotape. I really remember Pamela Anderson having this kind of cool joint rolling device. That's I guess this maybe reflects me, but that's like the main thing I remember is her on this boat rolling these incredible huge joints. They used to always say, where are we in the video? They were always lost. Yeah. And of course there was lots of sex in it as well, but um, that was my memory of the event. I wrote about it previously. Don't know if that was a great idea at the time because it meant something different than it does now. Uh, I guess I have very mixed feelings about this show. So, my memory of it was, you know, this is pretty much pre-internet at this point. And Pamela Anderson, Baywatch was one of the biggest shows, you know, and it it it, it was just on, it was syndicated. And she was becoming kind of became the Marilyn Monroe of that generation for whatever reason. And then the fact that this sex tape existed, everybody was like, I can't believe it. How do, how does this exist? Wait a second. And, you know, there was definitely a scramble to get it. And I think the the show definitely deals with that aspect of it because, and I've only watched three, but Pamela Anderson becomes the sympathetic character in it, right? And they're clearly steering you that way. Well, she's a, she's always been a very likable person. I mean, there, uh, you know, I, I think that it's pretty easy to make her, particularly in this circumstance, pretty sympathetic. Here's what the show does well. When they're describing how the internet seemed to people hearing about it the first time, like there's a, a a scene, I think it, I think it's the third episode, maybe it was the second one, where Seth Rogen is describing to Nick Offerman like how this is going to work, how they're going to sell this 
you know, over the, you know, over this thing, the internet that Nick Offerman has no experience with. And uh, that's, it's, that's well-written dialogue the way they do it, because it would be, it would have been very easy to make the individual seem too simple or too complicated. Like, like the, the language is, is done well. I mean, in general, uh, like this is a well-cast show. I, I think that it's certainly very watchable, but there's something about it that I find uncomfortable. Okay. Uh, what is it? I was trying to figure out what it was. Cause I'm watching this thing. And like, in, in a sense, I should be the target market for this. Right. Because uh, of my age and my interest in Molly crew, my fact that I was interested in the, what the meaning of this tape was when it came out. Cause to me, I, it seemed like it had something that was that had nothing to do really in many ways with pornography, but just sort of because pornography is intentional. And this was something that was taken from someone, you know, but here's the thing, a show like this typically has to operate in one of two ways. Okay. One way is to be like, it's trying to say something about society. It's trying to reflect some larger idea that, that there's a, there's a real meaning for it, that there's an, an, a, like, it's necessary that this exists in order to get to a specific point. Another possibility is to be like, it's entertaining. That's enough. It doesn't need to have some sort of larger idea. As long as it's fun to watch, that's what we generally watch television for. But I think what's strange about this show is that it's operating like a show in the second category, but the tone is somehow in the first category. It has the tonality of a show that seems to be making some kind of uh, kind of meaningful or significant argument, uh, but that's not how it feels to watch it. The show is is kind of like a, like it's almost the first three episodes are the best parts are about the crime aspect of it, like how this crime was allegedly or supposedly committed. Uh, I feel the way they're depicting Tommy and Pamela Lee's relationship is strange. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I like. I wouldn't say it's bad. I think it might be good. And yet I don't know if I would keep watching it if you hadn't asked me to. It's funny. The guy, Craig Gillespie, who did Love Tanya, directs the first three episodes of this, right? And I had a similarly complicated relationship with that movie because I thought Margot Robbie was really good. I knew the story and I was interested in all the mechanics, even though I knew a lot of them. But it was the same thing where it was these kind of comically crazy characters, right? And having a lot of fun with the characters, but at the same time, it was a crime. And it was like, I didn't know the line, like Nancy Kerrigan, the whole thing. I didn't know where the line was between, am I just having fun with this or is something serious we're going on? So the way you laid that out, you're right. Like there's this weird, cool crime drama thing happening that I didn't really know the whole story about. Um, well, yeah, because I mean, it gets into things that it wasn't that I not just I didn't know the story about, like I never considered it. I never considered how do you make a bunch of copies of a VHS videotape if you're just a person, you know, uh, like, you know, so that kind of explains how you kind of go through this or 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 sort of the, the kind of the methodology of how this happened, which well, I about breaking is, in the house, breaking yeah. in the house. I thought I didn't know any of that stuff that. You know, yeah. that he cased the house for two months. And I, I, I guess I'm also a bit skeptical in that part of the story. The whole thing with the, 
with the Seth Rogen character. Uh, you know, uh, I, I guess we're supposed to see him as somewhat sympathetic to a degree, a little pathetic, but by being pathetic, that is supposed to amplify the level of sympathy. And, you know, the, the first episode I watched, I was like, well, you know, it's good because they're trying to make this guy sympathetic and I don't feel anything for him. So that means that I was, that that they did a good job balancing these things. But now by the end of the third episode, I certainly feel as though they're making it very difficult not to like him, just the idea of him or to, to sort of illustrate what his real desires are. And, and, uh, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical if that's how it was. I mean, I was skeptical about the way in the first episode they depict Tommy Lee's relationship with these contractors. Like, I don't I don't think Tommy Lee is probably some great humanitarian. I don't think he's even necessarily a good person. But the way that they are illustrating him does not seem totally in line with everything else I know about him or you know, the uh, sort of the way he has sort of always been. No, he, I mean, someone will listen to this and they'll be like, well, I read the dirt, you know, he's a fucking scumbag or whatever. And you can make that argument for sure. But I, I don't see him as somebody who would put a gun to a guy's neck. I just, I, that doesn't seem like him, but then again, I I could be wrong. I mean, the person who did this, uh, the series definitely did their homework. Like, for example, like, okay, so what did you think in the second episode? Uh, this really isn't, I mean, maybe this is a considered a spoiler, I guess, if you're really worried no, we're, about this. We're, we're yeah. allowed to spoil the first three. Okay, so what do you think about the stuff where he's talking to his penis and having this long <laughs> conversation with his dick? Okay, what did you think of that? I think it's been the year of dicks on TV because Euphoria is certainly trying to break the record on HBO, but it just, it just seems like a device now for some of these shows to go over the top and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe they did that. I thought it was ridiculous, but at the same time it made me laugh. Well, here's what is interesting about it. So I'm watching that scene. And at first I'm like, this is exactly what I hate about this kind of thing. And and that might've been a situation where I would have just stopped watching. Then I remembered something. Tommy Lee had a memoir come out called Tommy land. Right. And he and talked we, about his dick in it, right? He about had, how he we, would have conversations with it. We had the same publicist in Canada. Oh. We had the same Canadian publicist. And she gave me that book right when it came out. And I remember reading it on an airplane. And that is part of the book. The book is somewhat semi-narrated by his penis with the idea that, you know, it, it's like kind of his, his like a, uh, his id or whatever, or like, or in, 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 it's strange <laughs> with Tommy Lee. He almost sometimes presents his dick as like being more reasonable than he is. Like that's right. the voice of reason or whatever. So I thought to myself, you know, when I kind of, when I remembered that I was like, Oh, well, at least this person put some time into putting the story together. It's like, like they're definitely thinking about all these different things they're pulling, you know, like it's a, it's a, a pretty kind of complete analysis of, of of this scenario, but well, but that was also coming out of the sex tape. That was one of the talking points in sure, the mid nineties sure, where it was yeah. like, Jesus, Tommy Lee, huge hog. Like, so it became part of the Tommy Lee persona from that point on. Oh, definitely. I and, mean, it beca- you know, and, and he leaned into it, I would say. Yes. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was um, uh, if if you have someone illegally steal your most intimate materials and the takeaway from it for the average person is, wow, you have a huge dick or whatever. It's like, I'm sure he was that was the best case scenario for him in a certain way. I mean, if you're going to have this happen to you, I mean, that's, that's like, a, I, I don't, and you know, it, it, well, and you could also argue it's bad for Pamela Anderson because, and I don't know how her career turns out the other way, but I think, I don't think anything was good about the tape for her. I think it was better for Tommy Lee than it was for her. Now you could argue, all right, she was on Baywatch. She kind of hit the jackpot with that. What, what was next for her? It wasn't like she was going to become the next Meryl Streep. I don't, a lot well, of times the, you see the, people with a four-year run and then it's kind of over if you're like the token, you know, super hot chick of the moment, then that has a shelf life. And I, I so I don't know what kind of career she well, would have had. In the show, in the third episode of the show, she says that her aspiration is to be like Jane Fonda, right. which is to be a sex icon who then sort of becomes a serious actress, who then becomes an activist who then becomes somebody who like sells a workout tape. Like, you know, it's like, I, I have complete control over what I do. It doesn't matter if they're contradictory, all of these things. Yeah. Now, I, I, I don't, I don't know if Pamela Anderson could have had a, a, a vastly different career than she did. If this tape hadn't existed, maybe it's possible, but you know, I mean, like even her attempt sort of to move out of Baywatch is to make that movie barbed wire. So like, she's not really getting away from the idea that her visual appeal is the center of her. Yeah. Persona. Like could like, she have been know. a Lara Croft Tomb Raider six years later? I don't know. I think her destiny, because she really was likable. Like I thought she was good on Baywatch. I think her destiny would have been a TV series. Well, it, it is. Oh, and no, she and had, this, well, no, the sex tape kind of ruined it. She did have one. She did have a TV series later. I remember, I can't remember what the title was, but I know that she yeah, did. Yeah, but I, I think I think the sex tape tainted her, though. I really well, it, do. I, oh, I, I, well. I think it, she had it, trouble coming back from it. I mean, there, okay, there's like a, there's a central irony about Pamela Anderson, which is that we are told by society uh, that no one can look that way. That that's an impossible, that's like a, like a Barbie doll standard of beauty, that there's, that no one actually looks this, that this is sort of a, uh, some kind of a, you know, this kind of projected caricature of what men want in their sort of like kind of most juvenile fantasy. It's something that's not supposed to be real, but she actually does look this way, right? The way Pamela yeah. Anderson looks is her. Okay. And as a consequence, there is a limit to what she can do then. Like you can't just integrate her at any point really in her career into a situation where like she plays a, a character that like, I don't know, like Pam Dauber would have played or like, you know, or, 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 just any, or just, I'm, just, I'm just picking somebody at random or Joyce DeWitt or anything, just anything where, where. Well, it's that, more like Suzanne Summers, right? But, but be even beyond that. Yeah. Like she was like, like Suzanne Summers. Uh, Farrah Fawcett was, was another yes, one who had trouble yes. coming back. Yeah. It was, you know, and although, I mean, Farrah Fawcett to some degree, you know, did succeed at that. She was kind of became perceived as a more serious actress. Cause later she did the burning career. bed. Yeah. Exactly. You know, um, but even these examples we're using, they're not as like, like, like hyper real as Pamela Anderson was. I mean, there's a, there's a part in episode two where like 
Tommy Lee's talking to his dick and his dick is saying, what about Denise Richards? Or like, right. um, um, or, or, you know, what about Jenny McCarthy? You're all these things. Yeah. And, and even those actresses are sort of more in line with uh, what, what we want to pretend is like the limits of reality. And, and Pamela Anderson visually seems to break out. So that's like, it's a weird thing. It's like saying like, you're like, she was so almost like, like, uh, however you, I mean, it's, it's, uh, however you want to look at these qualities, however you want to describe these qualities. I would say, I would say sexual. Well, sure. And there's like a supernatural aspect to it almost with her that, you know, um, in, in the same way where it, but you know, it's early in his career, like, uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like you, right. you couldn't have, you couldn't have put him in, you know, uh, like, a, 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 he, like he couldn't compete for a role. He could like, have been like, in LA like, law. Yeah. He would have yeah, been like, so, the, or even like, 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 like if it sounds like, okay, for Benny in June, we're not going to cast Johnny Depp. We're going to cast Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, well, you know, what, just, you, know you know, it's a good example. Heather Lockler, who was one of the eighties, actresses on TV that I think guys were in love with, right? Oh, and, Tommy Lee's Tommy Lee's first yeah, wife. Some yeah. And sometimes that has a shelf life. But Heather Thomas was never able to turn it around. Catherine Bach, same thing. But Heather Locklear found this second act with Melrose Place and she became one of the biggest stars on TV in the 90s, right? I don't know. Pamela Anderson like couldn't have been Amanda Woodward on Melrose Place, right? There always had to be some sort of sexuality to whatever she was doing. Like the next thing she does after, do you remember what she did after Baywatch and home improvement? What her next gig was, it was on for five years. Uh, Nobody remembers this. Yeah. It was a show called VIP. Oh, that was the show. That was the show yeah. she had. Yeah. That's the one I couldn't remember. It was a, it team, was a little like a, yeah. three professional yeah. bodyguards, a receptionist and the ex hot dog vendor and figurehead Valerie Pamela Anderson, make up Valerie Aaron's protection VIP bodyguards for celebrities that was it and then after that that her she was done well and, you know, she has and she always has a good sense of humor about herself i mean she's like she's in that first borat movie and she's very like she's a small role she but was she's great really in that good yeah in she's yeah, very she's convincing funny. she's very yeah. convincing in a way that does suggest that maybe she could have been you know uh, a more serious actress but it, it was gonna be it was just going to be difficult. I mean, it would have been like, you know, I, I so maybe I know, the like, show get, maybe the show gets into that about how possibly. it actually affected her career. What'd you think of Lily James playing her? Cause I, I thought, I actually thought both her and Sebastian Stan who played Tommy Lee, I actually thought they were pretty convincing. Tommy Lee, my wife was mad. My wife watched the first three with me. She was like, Tommy Lee's much taller than this guy. That I don't like how they, and I was like, nobody knows that. Like you're, you're in the very small minority, but I thought both of them were really good and convincing. Uh, yes. I, I mean, I think that they, particularly the first time you see them, like they, they look the way, like, but that's always a weird thing too, because are you looking for an impersonation or are you looking for sort of interpretation? Like the guy who's Tommy Lee he's more doing an interpretation of Tommy Lee, even though he is using the kind of like language and lexicon that would be the things Tommy Lee said. Um, yeah. But I guess here's, I mean, okay, this is, to, we're, we're kind of splitting hairs on this over, you know, but it's a, so like, you know, Tommy Lee was with Heather Locklear. He was with Tommy, with Pamela Anderson. Um, he is, uh, or he must be uh, exceedingly charming. 
like an exceedingly charming person to consistently uh, have people who, you know, like, 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 like Heather Locklear seems like a pretty, I mean, she kind of seems sensible, got it together kind of person. It was, you know, it was At much crazier. It was yeah. actually much crazier. I don't know what, why is she different now? I, I'm not. Yeah, she's, she's had some hard times. Really? Okay. I guess In the I last know. 10 years. No, back then though, I think but that her, was the consensus. Her relationship with Tommy Lee was more surprising and weird than yeah, Tommy Lee's relationship to Pamela Anderson. You know, and that, that seemed to, um, I, I'm guessing, I don't know if the, if the, this series is going to kind of skim over this or get into this, but like, you know, the, the kind of the central question about this is at one point, Tommy and Pamela kind of sign away the rights to this um, with the idea that like, well, it's going to exist anyways. Like this tape yeah. is going to exist. So it seems crazy that we have absolutely no, you know, stake in this. Um, but what is interesting is, you know, there's also, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, a sex tape. Pamela Anderson and Brett Michaels of Poison, yep. but he, where they actually stopped that from get like, like that's like, like they, they didn't sign away these rights. So that's, what's kind of odd. The, the, I, the, the impression like that Tommy Lee kind of gives, I believe in Tommy land is, is that they couldn't stop this tape. So they had to at least get something from it. They had to at least, you know, you know, um, Whereas the other situation kind of suggests, well, maybe a tape like that can be stopped if you go through different means. I mean, that's what Brett Michaels would say. I, I remember interviewing Brett Michaels like in 1999 or something. And he was like, uh, we like, we killed that. Like you can yeah. stop these things, you know? Um, and that's always going to be, I guess, in some respects, I suppose, maybe the makers of this show feel like that gives them the moral position to make this program. Like well, that's wants, also, yes, yeah. that's going to be, I guess, one of the things as, as the show evolves over the next few episodes, that will be one of the central themes, right? Should, should they actually say, fuck it, this is happening anyway, should we profit from this? I, I want to go back to something you said about the Seth Rogen piece of this, and they spend way more time in the first episode than I think I, I, I expected trying to build that character up. And so two things are going on. One is that Seth Rogen produced this and he mm -hmm. wanted to be in it. And so, but I had red flags going up that episode. Cause I'm like, Oh man, they're building this guy up because it's Seth Rogen. If this was just, you know, an actor that wasn't an A-list star, would they spend this much time on this? And then the other piece of it is I have such a history with Seth Rogen. It was really hard separating Seth Rogen from the part. Right. Cause I think that guy is probably more of a pathetic scumbag then I'm willing to take if Seth Rogen's playing the pathetic scumbag. Now, now I'm like, I'm used to seeing Seth Rogen play these endearing kind of pathetic guys. Right. So I have this Seth Rogen baggage where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to instinctively kind of root for this guy. I don't know if this was a guy to be rooted for. And I, so this ties into like how much of this is real, how much of this is not real, because we know that with Pamela and Tommy, they're characters of them. There's no way they were actually really like we see in the first three episodes. They couldn't have well, been this crazy. I'm sure they I amped mean, it up. They're pretty crazy. I mean, that, that's the thing also about like the tape itself. I mean, the tape suggests, you know, a, a couple that is 
living a, a, like uh, i mean I, I don't know it's uh yeah they seem like two idiots in the tape well, that's why I mean, it's the plane even, scene it's not even that's like i, I wouldn't say like uh, yeah i guess in a sense idiot but that, oh, you, baby, I know what you're, saying, oh, you're that, so hot oh baby that's well, it's that like an scene, hour of that that scene on the plane where they're married the, that's and like the best like, scene yeah yeah what's your I, favorite I, movie <laughs> yeah that, that's like a good way to sort of capture like that but you know tommy lee married his mother I mean, no, Tommy Lee's dad married Tommy Lee's mother. So his parents, um, they got married after being together for one week. Yeah. And I believe the mother did not speak English. Wow. I think that they got married, you know, with, with, with not even, you know, so he sort of, in a sense, is like, uh, like, it doesn't seem as weird to him to just. Yeah extemporaneously marry someone or whatever, because I think that that was sort of kind of the, the, the life, although, you know, his, his, he does have a good relationship or did with his sister. And it seemed like he had a good relationship with his parents. In some respects, Tommy Lee comes from a relatively stable world. Um, you know, like the, the guys in Motley Crue are kind of, we're all over the place. I mean, sort of like, you know, like Nikki six had kind of a tough growing up. We lived in Seattle, kind of had a kind of a, you know, hard life and Mick Mars was much older than the other guys and had already sort of had a career, but was a, had a bad career. And he was like, I got to do this to make it. Um, I always got the sense that Vince Neil kind of came from a degree of affluence and that yeah. his parents thought it was cool that he was trying to become a rock star. So like, it wasn't as though, like, I don't, I don't perceive Tommy Lee as somebody who was damaged as a child. And then that sort of became uh, like that trauma somehow formed his personality. It's not like that. I, but there, here again, it's like I, I probably know a little more about like the history of these guys. Than, I mean, it shouldn't maybe matter. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I do you just, think? Do you think the show did a good enough job of explaining how big Pamela Anderson was at the time and how big Motley Crue was at the time? Like for somebody like somebody that worked for the Ringer who's like in their twenties, do you think that they get the gist even from these first three episodes? Because I actually feel like Pam Anderson was bigger than the show makes it seem. I think the show assumes that the audience knows that, but I, I think, I don't know if it well, got hammered home the so, right way. So this story begins in like 1993 or 1994. So Motley yeah. Crue was at a low spot. I mean, they've John Karabi is the singer in the band. They fired Vince Neil. Yeah. Uh, they put a record out kind of tanks. I do think there is that one scene where they're getting into a limo and it is sort of crazier than Tommy Lee expects. And he looks at her and is like, you're famous or whatever, you know, like, yeah, like that's good. Him how you're famous right. He is, she is, um, you know, there's so many different kinds of, of, of fame where, you know, it's like where, where someone like Pamela Anderson um, is famous in this almost purely visual way. Like she's where she, yeah on a TV show, she can't get lines on her TV show. And it's one of the dumbest TV shows ever made. And like, they're like, we can't trust you with <laughs> right, dialogue with or whatever. It's like, you know, right. yeah. Um, and they, they've kind of removed Motley Crue from the equation of the series so far. Like, you know, it's yeah. like, like when uh, like, there's also video footage, like of, Tommy and Pamela's actual wedding. You can find that on the internet and there's photographs and stuff. And like the guys in Motley Crue are there. There's like somebody in a spacesuit, if I recall, like someone's wearing a spacesuit at the wedding. Well, you know um, what? You know what I was thinking with Pamela Anderson? Talk about born too soon. If she's 10 years later and 
even even if she's if Baywatch is now maybe Baywatch doesn't hit the same way in 06 because we had more TV and there's internet stuff like that. But if she was able to harness social media when she had that Baywatch fame, it, she easily becomes Kim Kardashian level, I think, kind of impact. I think she would have had like whatever Instagram was in 1996, she would have had the most followers of any female celebrity, I think. And so she kind of missed this window where by the time all that mechanism where it became like very looks-based and very personality-based and talent didn't matter as much anymore, she missed that window. And then Kim Kardashian moves in and she becomes, you know, the one where it's like reality TV and Instagram and that's how you, you build your audience. I guess you could also say if she had been born 20 years earlier, she, she would have been have, on like three's company. Well, yeah, with she, 30 she million have, people an she, episode. I mean, like, like this yeah. wouldn't have happened to her. Like there was no, like there's no chance this would happen. I mean, yeah, yeah, good point. I, 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 I suspect that maybe this show, this series is going to get into this idea of like celebrity sex tapes because this was, you know, kind of really was the dawn of that. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, and, I, I think that at least, I don't know. I, I probably should have went back and read the thing I wrote in the past, but I was like, I don't even want to, but I think at the time, if I recall what I was interested in, the idea that I was interested in was that sort of the internet was moving people toward this idea of because pornography was so accessible that yep. there was this heightened interest in amateur pornography that once people realized that they could, that, you know, like, you know, there was a time when a young kid was like, had to like search and hide and hunt to get a playboy or a penthouse. All of a sudden now he can see all that stuff instantly from the first time he can use a computer by himself if he wants or she. Um, and, you know, so, so it's like suddenly the novelty of seeing these sort of kind of, kind of classically, you know, uh, famously uh, attractive people. Yes. Yeah. They, they, there was this desire to sort of like, like, you know, to see an amateur person, somebody just to look like a normal person. And the thing is, Pamela Anderson does not look like a normal person. Tommy Lee does not look like a normal person, but it is just absolutely abundantly clear in that videotape that this is not intended for public consumption. I mean, it's, it is like, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I guess some people would say uncomfortable. Other people would say fascinating. It's like, it's just, it is in the show. They're like, I'm, I'm like, see, I feel like I'm seeing something I'm not supposed to see or whatever. And it was like, yeah, that's kind of an understatement. It's like you're right. seeing, cause you're seeing something that in the past it was, it was an impossibility to imagine to see it. Like it, it was impossible. You could talk about Marilyn Monroe sleeping with JFK or RFK. Okay. But the idea of actually seeing it, um, it, it like it was, it was inconceivable. It was inconceivable, yeah. inconceivable to the point that nobody would even have said, it's like, I wonder what that looks like. Like, I wonder what it looks like when this happened. Like you would never thought that. I mean, this is, this was an example. This tape was an example of giving people something that they had no realization that they were interested in. Like it was, it was prior to this moment, it was like, I did not think this is something that the internet would do for us as a culture that would give us the ability to see people. We, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. so, so that's, I mean, so from a, from like a, like a, like a kind of a historical cultural perspective, this is a meaningful thing, but I don't know if the show is showing it in that way. I mean, I guess right. I'm the, I might be the kind of person who always says this, but like, 
a very interesting documentary about this to me would have been preferable. I would have, I, I, you know, if, if, if they made a documentary about this, a real documentarian did this and, you know, convinced Pamela Lee and Tommy to be involved, get this criminal involved, get all these, cause you know, like, this, like, uh, like Andrew Dice Clay is in this and he's very good in the scene he's yeah. in. Because uh, he seems very much like the kind of person who would finance this. Like, it's like, um, like that actual guy. I don't know if that guy's still alive. I would be interested to hear his views on these things in general. Um, so, I, I mean, how, how much are you liking it? How well, good do you think it is? We're going to wrap up. You just gave your review. I'm going to give mine. I think this sort of, if you're going to do this in a fictional way, I would have rather had it as a movie. To me, it feels like they're stringing out 10 episodes out of this where I really, I don't know if I want to spend 10 episodes with these characters. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how they're going to get seven more. It already seems like we're way beyond halfway done, but yeah. From a, I felt myself drifting a little bit as I was watching the third one. And it made me think like, would I have wanted to watch 10 episodes of I, Tanya or just watch the two hour movie? I would have rather had the movie. So in this case, I think you're right. If you could have pulled off the incredible documentary, that would have had the highest upside because you could have gone into a lot of the stuff we talked about on this podcast. Um, I think it would have been a better movie. I still think this was worth watching. And um, I don't know if I'm going to keep going on it or not, though. I guess that's the thing. It's like, I you sometimes, I, don't, I, I know you do this with streaming as well. Sometimes you watch a couple and you're like, eh. I'm good. I don't, <laughs> it's nothing personal. It's almost like having a couple dates with somebody and being like, all right. Well, I mean, I will good say luck. that, that through the three episodes, they have gotten better. Like, I, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a little better now than I thought it was at the beginning. Um, but they're an hour long. It's like, it'd be one thing if they were shorter, but like they're long. Yeah. I do think that that is well-made in some, you know, I think the, the it's, de- it's the definitely music, really well-made. The musical I, I, choices that's what are I like very the most. good. Yep. And like I say, they, like, they got some good actors in this, but something can be technically successful and sort of, um, I don't know, emotionally weird. It's like, it's not, it's not that I'm troubled by this so much. It just feels weird to me i'm with you all right chuck closeman buy his book the 90s this podcast was produced by kyle mcmullen and we will see you on sunday night on the prestige tv pod with uh episode five of euphoria which has been fantastic this season until then 